Our Bible readings from Matthew chapter 6, beginning to read at verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We're continuing with our Why Church series, having started with a brief overview of the past 2020 years. And last week, considering the purpose of the church from heaven's perspective, namely being one in Christ and being made perfect in oneness with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And today I want to build on that and talk about the church and the kingdom which is an interesting challenge when you take into account Paul's words to the church in Corinth. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. In other words, when we put the church and the kingdom in the same sentence, we need to know first and foremost, we're not talking about formula or even doctrine, but power and transformation. Everything Jesus said was demonstrated by what he did. And everything Jesus did was confirmed through what he said. And how we would love to be able to say that about our own lives. In fact, the first statement Jesus makes when he begins his ministry, as recorded in the Gospels, is, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Matthew 8. Or as in Mark 1, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. The time is fulfilled, Peru. It means it's completed, it's fully come, come. It's like a net that's crammed full of fish. And the kingdom of God is at hand. It's there for the taking. Repent and believe the gospel. You see, the first thing Jesus did when he began his ministry was not to look impressive or to extol his virtues as to why people should follow him. Neither was it to perform some miraculous act to display his power so people would believe in him. He could have easily done both. And the devil would have loved it, especially having to crawl away after the temptations in the desert. The first thing Jesus did was to speak about the kingdom of God and then to demonstrate the rule and the reign of God's kingdom on earth so that people would repent and believe the good news. Matthew 4, 23. 
And it's these two pillars of the kingdom, repentance and faith in the good news, that I want us to look at in terms of being church. John the Baptist had a message of repentance as he challenged the people to get ready for the Messiah. But Jesus' message of repentance went far deeper than just being prepared. The word for repent, metanoeno, it means to think differently, to reconsider. And so repentance is all about a reversal of a decision or a turning around. We were going one way, we're now turning around and going another. And so when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was introducing a new way of thinking, a new way of trusting, a new way of living that would radically challenge the people of God, the assembly of believers, the church. See, at the time of this declaration that we read in Matthew 6, the people's idea of strength was in how things looked on the outside. The great temple the great gatherings they had when people came for pilgrimage, standing up in the synagogues or the street corners, praying great prayers, looking the part as Jesus reveals. And if for a moment we would consider judging the people back then for their hypocrisy, which literally means play acting, we only need to look again at our church history. We only need to look again with honesty at what people on the outside see about the church today and the way that we try to present ourselves as being contemporary or, or cool or impressive or better than showing our best side and looking the part. You see, this message of repentance is just as important today as when Jesus first declared it. Because without repentance, we cannot, as the church, take hold of the kingdom of God on earth. And without God's kingdom on earth, we cannot, as the church, do anything other than look impressive on the outside. Play the act, because inside the shell is empty of his presence and his power. You know, one of the prophetic words at the start of the year was that God would reveal those things done in secret and bring to light the hidden sins. And I've seen this in pastoral situations in so many different ways, whether in relationships, whether in behaviours, whether in lifestyles or choices or decisions, or even in ministries. This is God's kingdom at work, turning everything upside down and inside out. Why? To lead people to repentance and faith in the gospel. We had a leadership team meeting recently and someone shared a picture that they had of the father holding a sieve in his hands, a bit like people would do in the 19th century gold rush in America. Holding this sieve and shaking it through the cleansing water to find the nuggets of, of gold as the dirt washed away. What an amazing picture. Speaking of our heavenly father's love for us, his, his grace poured out upon us and his desire to search for the nuggets of gold in us and in the body, the church. You see, the gold is there, but the dirt needs to be washed away. And it comes through repentance. It comes as we bow before him and fall on our knees in confession. 
It comes as we ask for forgiveness and we receive his gift of forgiveness and cleansing in our lives. It comes as we repent of doing things our way and then, or doing church our way and turning around and living our lives according to his rule and his reign. And the church needs to stand firm of this pillar of the kingdom, repentance. But she also needs to stand firm on the pillar of faith. Can I ask you a question? And you may want to consider this over the next few days, even weeks. But the question is this, what is it that you actually believe in when it comes to the church and God's kingdom? When everything is stripped away, what is the core of the faith that you are committed to and you're willing to give your heart and your life to as the church? I know during this year, and especially with this COVID-19 experience, which seems far from over, there have been many people who've been searching for faith, and that's wonderful. But I know too that there have been many people who've had their faith rocked and knocked. And I've seen this especially where the source of faith has been habitually rooted in church attendance and fulfilling some sort of duty in, in church. And when that's not been possible because of lockdown or restrictions, it's left a gaping hole. As Jesus reveals here, what the Father is looking for above everything else is relationship with him. What he's longing for more than anything is time spent with him, time in the secret place with him. As Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in the secret place will reward openly. Verse 6. You know, the word for prayer here, both times, prosukamai, it literally means to lean towards or lean into pros with desire, ukamai. What a wonderful description of worship. Derek Prince, some 30 years ago, said, if you only have 10 minutes to pray, eight of those minutes should be praise and worship. Why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 22, verse 3. And as Jesus reveals here, the Father is already in the secret place, waiting for us to be with him. And when we close the door and spend time with him, not only does our relationship with him grow, we get to know and understand more of who he is. As in the prayer, he's, he's our loving Heavenly Father, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. His name is holy. His name is hallowed. His name is to be honoured. But our faith in him and his kingdom grows too. We get to know and understand more of what it means to pull down his kingdom into our midst. It's a bit like uh, pulling a church bell you know, in faith, not only grabbing hold of the rope, but actually pulling it into our realm and making that noise. And I think this is where so much of our church's practice has gone wrong. As John G. Lake uh, wrote, the church has been negligent in one thing. She's not prayed the power of God out of heaven. 
And it's from the secret place that we learned to pull down the love and the purity and the wholeness and the holiness and the blessing and the power and the freedom and the, that freely exists in heaven and loosen it on earth through prayer and worship, exercising the authority that we've been given by Jesus. And we also get to know and understand more of his provision in our lives. Give us today our daily bread. More of his forgiveness cleansing our lives. Forgive us our sins. More of his protection over our lives. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And more of his glory throughout our lives. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And you see, it's out of the overflow of this intimacy with the Father, out of the overflow of our relationship with him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as Jesus says, that our faith is openly rewarded. In other words, in the public place, people will see God's kingdom demonstrated in and through us, the power that we've discovered in the secret place. And your Father, who sees you in secret, will reward you openly. Which means when we pray in faith, out of a heart of worship for forgiveness, he will forgive. When we pray in faith, out of a heart of worship for peace, his peace will come. When we pray in faith, out of a heart of worship for healing, he will heal. His kingdom will come. It will be present in our midst, in our homes, in our churches, in our communities, in our lives. You see, this is when, as Paul writes, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Let me finish with this, and I know there's, there's so much more that I could say. The church is not the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God can rule and reign in the church. Let me just say this again. The church is not the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God can rule and reign in the church, in our church. And this must be our heart's desire. You see, from the outset, Jesus is opening our eyes and our hearts to a new way of us meeting together, to a new way of us gathering as believers together, to a new way of reflecting his love to the world together. And that is by taking hold of his kingdom of love and literally like a rope, pulling it down into our midst. The great writer and minister David Watson once said this. He said, if God's kingdom is to come into the world, his reign must first come into our lives. If God's kingdom is to come into the world, his reign must first come into our lives. And I want to encourage all of us to allow the rule and reign of God to come into every area of our lives. And God doesn't force this upon us. It's an invitation. I want us to, to encourage each one of us to take hold of God's kingdom and to pull it like pulling a rope that rings that bell, that makes the noise into every situation we face, into every opportunity that we're given and into every moment that we live as the body of Christ. And to keep pulling heaven down into our midst. And we do this 
through repentance, continually getting our hearts and lives right with God. We do this through faith, faith that grows in the secret place, intimacy and relationship with the Father, worshipping him for who he is. And the overflow of this, well, the good news, the gospel of salvation, the gospel that the world so desperately needs to see and to hear, will radiate through us just as it did through Jesus as his kingdom comes alive in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we are so sorry for those times in our lives when we've gone our own way and done our own thing. And through your word and by your spirit, Lord, would you just convict our hearts of those areas where that has been a reality. And so we choose today to repent of that, to turn around and to allow and embrace the rule and the reign of your kingdom into every area of our lives. Please forgive us. I just take a moment just before the Father, just asking for his forgiveness in these situations. Get your heart and life right with him. And Father, we pray as well that you would increase in each one of us faith, that those times we have with you in the secret place would grow, that we would grow to know you more, to know your love more for us, and in those places, to know more of your kingdom at work in and through our lives, so that in the public place, people would see your love, your light, your glory shining in and through us for the glory of your name. Increase faith in us. And Father, teach us day by day what it is to pull kingdom, heaven's kingdom down into our midst, just as Jesus revealed to us, so that your will is going to be done in our lives and on earth, in our church, and in the ministries that you've called us to. We welcome you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Fill us and just saturate us with your glory for the glory of your name. Amen.